Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. social fans and for episode 40 we're gonna do something a little special a little unique here you know i because i i get to work you know in a lot of the tech space the social media space the marketing space i really get access and opportunities to be a part of events be a part of conversations be guest on different events and different podcasts and it, it truly is an honor and uh, i was recently working as uh, kind of one of the advisory board uh, advisors of for a brand new event called the Innovation of Congress, Innovation Congress, happening July 18th and 19th um, in New York City. And we decided to do a Facebook Live where I hosted the Facebook Live and got to um, interview two of the people that are part of the event that are, are going to be on different panels. Um, Nick Cicero, a good friend of mine who happens to work for uh, the founder of Del Mundo, a company that I am an advisor for, and Melanie, Melanie uh, Diesel from, uh, Melanie has worked in the journalism space, uh, New York Times, worked on a bunch of different uh, arenas there, and uh, to me, the conversation was really focused around the future of innovation and what we are most looking forward to around live video, virtual reality, augmented reality, even the digital ad space and where where this whole innovation conversation is going. And, uh, you know, I didn't intend when I was doing the hosting this Facebook Live uh, to put it as part of this podcast. But to me, the content was so good that I feel that you guys could get some a massive amounts of value um, from this uh, conversation. And because of that, I also am going to put a link to a discount code. So if you're listening to this before July 18th and 19th, 2017, uh, you can go ahead and click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. And that link will give you $200 off the ticket price for um, the event and it gives you free access to the workshops that are happening the actual day before the event. So um, check it out. Make sure uh, you guys, if you are in New York City, this is a great event. But even if you're not going to this event or you're listening to us after those dates, the conversation really about innovation, video, live video, data, um, augmented virtual reality, and then where this all kind of ties into marketing, content, um, is really a, a fascinating conversation. I was um, my my pleasure to be a part of it, and just wait till you hear our conversation around how a funeral home or someone in that industry could leverage the power of digital marketing. We ended up talking about that for a long while, and it might be the most insightful um, part of this conversation. So, without further ado, an interview on the Social Fresh Facebook page that I recorded uh, with Nick Cicero and Melanie. All right, and we are live on the Social Fresh page. Uh, my name is Brian Fanzo, uh, better known as iSocial Fans, and we're going to talk a little bit about Innovation Congress, a brand new event happening in New York City, uh, July 18th and 19th. We're going to be able to share a special promo code with you guys to get $200 off, as well as free access to the workshops. Before we get into that, I'm going to have my lovely two guests, both based out of New York City, 
I am out of Washington, D.C., so I'll be taking the, the train up from D.C. up to New York uh, in a little less than two weeks. But uh, before we get to that or get into some of this conversation about what they're going to talk about. All right. So, uh, Melanie, go ahead and introduce yourself first. Ladies, ladies before gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. So, hey, everyone, I'm Melanie Diesel. You can find me across social as M Diesel. Um, I'm a branded content consultant, so I work with publishers and, and companies, advertisers, uh, to help them learn how to tell better stories, to think more like a journalist with their marketing. Uh, I'm really excited. My session is on Tuesday at 9.30. We're going to be talking about the future of digital advertising, digital advertising hunger games. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, and Nick, you can go ahead. Hey, everybody. My name is Nick Cicero. I'm the CEO and founder of Del Mondo, and we are a creative studio and social video analytics software company. Uh, we created the first analytics for Snapchat and Facebook Live, and our panel that I'm moderating is actually about the future of video. Uh, so we have some really awesome folks from Refinery29, from Cheddar, and from Instagram as well, who are all going to be there, and we're going to talk about the future of video, and, and they're certainly good folks to, to speak to that. So I think, you know, a great place to kind of start the conversation on, you know, digital innovation. We have kind of the combination of advertising, video. Um, I know we, we're kind of getting to a little bit about augmented reality, virtual reality, that side of the house. But video is such a, a hot topic, especially really kind of empowering not only um, advertising, but also empowering innovation with uh, 360 video, all of these different aspects. You know, I, Melanie, starting with you, what are you, what, where have you seen video kind of transform in an innovation perspective uh, in your space, maybe even over the last couple of years. I think it's kind of come out of nowhere for a lot of people. Definitely. Yeah, it's been really exciting. So for me, I come from a journalism background. And like I said, I'm usually helping brands partner with publishers to tell stories. And what was interesting is when we first started out, maybe 2012, 13, when content and native advertising was kind of rising as this buzzword, we were really talking about articles, blogs, really, you know, single format kind of content. And over the last few years, it's transitioned from an environment where people wanted video. So we were finding ways to create native video. And now it's almost on the other side where we're not just adding video into a multimedia piece, but we're really thinking video first and mobile first with video in particular. Um, and now we're starting to see brands and publishers experimenting with, well, what does native video look like, you know, in an AR environment, in a VR environment, um, thinking about video in messaging environments. So it's been really cool to see us go from video as this cool new thing to video as a default, really, for a lot of brands and publishers at this point. What do you think about that, Nick? I mean, video is a default. I know you with Del Mundo. I, in the clear transparency side, I am a, I am a part of the uh, that Del Mundo team, and I think you know a lot of what you've done, trans even transitioning from Snapchat video primarily into all live video to pretty much all video as a whole. I mean, yep. you're gonna have Cheddar on the show uh, on your panel as well with what they're doing with live video. I mean, what are your thoughts, Nick, on where video is kind of taking digital innovation? You know, I think that video is a good mix of all the different types of things that you can see. So video takes a lot of different shapes and forms. So video can take, you know, we have this like text on video with sound where a lot of it can be played autoplay with the sound off and, and you know, people are optimizing for that. But then we're starting to see more and more, you know, brands and media companies make longer form videos on these social channels. And, you know, we've seen certainly an explosion of YouTube and now Facebook's made a big, um, you know, really growth of video has, has been huge on Facebook in the past two years. 
so I think that I'm excited and, you know, like Melanie inside of the native video side of that, because I think that what we're seeing is a lot of, uh, a lot of publishers and media companies that want to build a brand on their own sites, you know, and have like really great video, you know, like you might have like a Red Bull who has their own video players and environments where people come to their websites and watch like videos for a really, really long time, but then they can go out and use all of these like social channels to build partnerships, to create activations and really have what I like to call this invisible inventory um, of real estate that you can actually go out and sell against. So for folks that are trying to like reach different audiences, I think that social video in particular offers from that native content side, you know, the ability for people to reach audiences in a way that's like an evolution of how we used to make content on the same Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that we thought about like three years ago. It's totally different. No, it's kind of fun to think about that too. Even even how are you doing this kind of conversation, right? Like the tools that are available for us to do things like Facebook Live or you know webinar style. I mean, they didn't. These companies didn't exist six months ago. Some of them, you know, including the one that we're using uh, for this solution called Be Live. And I think it's also interesting. I I, I love the uh, Facebook video app for the Apple TV. I'm, I if you have an Apple TV, it's it, as soon as you get oh, yeah. it, it's like a you, you get lost in this mind erased version of like the old school days of YouTube where you just get down a rabbit hole and find. And I was actually watching the um, I think it was the cliff based jumping championships uh, via Red Bull on the Facebook. And all of a sudden, like two hours go by and I was like, I'm literally watching Red Bull TV on my Apple TV um, in a way that I would have never even imagined a year ago. And that kind of innovation, that speed is, is really uh, an interesting trend. And uh, Melanie, I'm, I'm curious from your side, from a journalist kind of view, I, you know, I've done some stuff with CNN and, and there's lots of people that are experimenting, but where do you see like the true innovation kind of happening in not only video, but innovation in the, the journalism and the kind of future of journalism? Yeah, you know, it's tough for me. I always sort of debate whether I can still call myself a journalist or more of like a former recovering journalist. I tend to lean toward that. Um, but I think it's incredible when, I mean, for us as marketers, we're thinking about how we take these formats and these technologies and use it for marketing. But when you think at the basis level, you know, from a storytelling perspective, the things we have access to now, I mean, we're seeing now with video what we saw with social in, you know, the Arab Spring, you know, where we're seeing the true power of things like body cams and Facebook Live to document what's happening in the world, to give us access to things we couldn't have access to before. And I mean, my hope is that we'll continue to see that. It'll make us better citizens. It'll make us more informed in, in our political choices. You know, it'll make us more informed about our communities, better able to connect with people we couldn't have seen otherwise. I mean, one of the things that, and this is a few years old actually, but just speaks to how these things change. Uh, a few years ago, uh, Snapchat had a partnership where they actually took people inside Mecca for the annual pilgrimage that Muslims take. You know, and that's the kind of thing that you would never otherwise have access to, you know, if you're not part of that community. And so a chance to see a gathering of people across the world from a different ethnicity, a different religion, a different background, you know, the ability to connect people live, you know, in these formats, I think is going to be so powerful just for storytelling and human connection. So I'm excited to see how it plays out editorially. And then obviously for our purposes, how we can leverage that uh, to market and connect with our audience in a more, more authentic and more uh, engaging way. No, I agree. It's that, that, that word access. I think, I think access is such an amazing piece that we've, we we're getting access to people, places, products, experiences, really like we've, we've never seen before. Right. And I think that that is exciting, but I also think the change 
is happening so rapidly. And and Nick, I mean, I mean, look at if you think about change, even within your business, even within Del Mundo, and what you've kind of you've rode the change that has happened in video. But we've even gone from how the conversation has changed, where you might have been talking to traditional PR and advertising type clients a year ago. Now marketing and and comms have kind of fallen in there as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of the speed of change? And especially as a founder of a company that's kind of working in this space on a daily basis, how do you look at it? And then how do you keep from going crazy with everything that's happening around you? Oh, I mean, I don't really know where to go. start with that one almost. Um, you know, I, th I think that I saw, you know, and we saw that Snapchat was something that was really changing. And, and I think that that went, you know, personally, I was really close uh, to Instagram and watched Instagram's growth. And that being a mobile first platform, I think was always something that we said was a really strong advantage of Instagram very early on. Uh, and so I think that you just kind of have to watch the trends. Now, I did see like a crazy AR video last night that I tweeted that blew my mind and totally changed my perspective on some of the things. And, and I saw a lot of cool stuff at F8 this year as well. Uh, but I mean, I, I think that you kind of have to, to it's all about kind of two things. It's about building like a strong identity as a brand, uh, mm -hmm. no matter who you are, if you're a media company, a publisher, an individual, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then taking advantage of new platforms as they, they see fit, but at the same time, like tying it back to something that you can own. So, you know, whether it's musicians that take advantage of new apps and tools now that allow you to like collect cell phone numbers from people, or if it's like Del Mondo, where we build a really strong email list and email newsletter. So I think that allows you to, to transition uh, because you have like these other layers that are always going to be somebody else's like owning these other spaces that we can kind of come in, play around for a little bit, and then come back to our own space and then bring people back to. And so I think that those will always pop up and surface. And it's really just a matter of thinking about, you know, is there enough audience here? So, that, you know, Snapchat is obviously a great example for that. We saw it when it was not popular at all and people were making fun of us for doodling on Snapchat to now, you know, every brand in the world wants us to doodle on Snapchat for them. And, you know, even then, but now we're, you know, starting to see more questions about Instagram, but fundamentally the tactics are still transferring over. Um, so I think that you, you, you know, you build and you start to see like when things start to, to come to a head and, you know, now companies like Cisco, we work with uh, Cisco and their talent team, which is, you know, some might say is a quote unquote boring brand. I don't think so. I think it's a neat brand. Um, but, you know, typically it's not like as sexy as Red Bull or a Dunkin Donuts per se. Um, and so when you think about it like that, like they had, I think it was something like 80 to 90 days in a row where they had different employees from the CEO down to like interns taking over on Snapchat and they were using the filters and lenses and doodles. Yeah. So if a very, very large corporation like Cisco can have a focused goal where then they all go on Snapchat as a company and like look at the content, I mean, that's a really cool way that they leverage technology um, that's not about like, oh, we had to figure out how to market and sell something. Sometimes it's about just like building a relationship and communicating with new mediums um, with the people that you already have relationships with. Absolutely. That's a lot of what we do from a brand storytelling perspective, right? There was a time when if you wanted media attention, you had to be newsworthy. You had to be doing the first, biggest, longest, best of something or, or launching something really unique to get someone else to, to cover you, to write a story about you. And now that there are no more gatekeepers that we have access to all these platforms and technology, you really can tell your own story in so many interesting ways that I think it does open up for you know the, the boring brands 
uh, to be able to find ways to tell their own stories. Everything from, you know, launching a podcast or, you know, setting up your own VR environment and letting people take a tour of, of your facility. You know, the one thing I always remind people is you have experts within your company with knowledge that no one else has. So even if you think your company is boring in some way, there are people within your company who know things that other people want to know. So, you know, even if you're a bed and breakfast and you're like, what do people care about? You know your community better than anyone else. You know the best places to go. You have a bellhop who's worked there for 20 years. You know, there's there's always an expert in your company who can teach your audience something. So if you're looking for a way to do that, find the experts and let them teach. I love that. You know, I, I, I've always said, I don't think every employee has to be social, but I believe every employee plays a role in telling the story of the brand. Right. And I, and I, I, when I'm on stage talking about video, I always challenge the audience and say, give me one industry, one company that you think couldn't use video. And one time someone said mortuary. And I literally got, it was like, I don't don't get stumped very often. I was like, Oh man, that's that's, okay. a, that's a pretty clever one. Oh, Nick, no, but I got one for you. Here so we I, go. I absolutely have an answer for you, and it's funny because it does tie back to actually like my history with live streaming. So, one of my first ever gigs out of school uh, was with Extreme Makeover Home Edition, and we were doing an episode in Florida at the NASA Space Center. And somebody reached out to me. This was early Facebook tab days when we were making custom Facebook tabs. Everybody remembers that FBML, oh, yeah. and. Uh, he reached out to me because he ran a web streaming company and they would stream funerals and church services to people who couldn't come to the funeral. So he gave me the technology and came in and we streamed 120 hours of Extreme Makeover Home Edition in a Facebook tab and had an average watch time of 49 minutes. It was crazy. Wow. This was 2011. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. It's funny, the the funeral thing, I get that too, because I, I do something similar when I'm on stage. I ask, you know, give me an industry, get, tell me your company. If, if you're sitting there thinking this doesn't apply to me, let me prove you're wrong. And I get that one. Uh, same thing, people think, well, what kind of content, you know, could I make if I have a brand like that? Um, and there's always something. Again, find those experts. You know, if you're in a, in a mortuary environment, I mean, grief counseling, there are people who need to deal with these things. I was going to say also live streaming services for people who can't get there. I mean, you know, there's always there's always something. Um, and now that we what have if you made like a comedy series, like six feet under yourself as a funeral home. Go. Why can't you be funny? If you're if somebody's dying, wouldn't you want somebody that you think is more empathetic to you and, and really understands? Like, I don't know. Personally, that that demonstrates that you're not like. I don't know the person that I think that typically works at a funeral home is stiff until you actually go in to meet those people. Like I know people who own funeral homes and they like, they were the coaches of hockey teams. You know what I mean? They're, they're like, they had kids. They were just regular people. So I do think that there's a personality that you can have. I love that you're talking death and you said stiff. You thought. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be here all week. (laughs) I feel like another one of the things that I remind clients a lot is like, if your brand or your company was a person, what would they do? How would they behave on social? You know, Mm -hmm. we're always, we're trying to think about strategy and ROI and, you know, tracking and all these things. And we kind of lose like, what's the personality of your brand? Because if your brand, you know, if your brand is stiff and boring, like, you know, no one's going to want to hang out with you. So, you know, what does your brand do on the weekends? Like, how do you behave? How do you talk? What jokes do you make? What music do you listen to? Like all of that can be a part of what you're doing. So, I mean, and again, this all the tech that we have access to. There's so many different ways to do it. Um, I like Jason made a point before about the rate of change and how it's kind of hard to keep up. And I was thinking about the last time I saw the three of our faces in little boxes on a screen, I think we were doing a blab 
Yeah, I think right? so. Probably. I don't even, where's, where's Blab now? So like, I'm actually curious, Brian, I feel like you usually know the tools that are upcoming to help us take best advantage of this stuff. So tools like this, Live, I didn't know about two weeks ago. So, you know, are there other tools that we all should be aware of, you know, as we're looking at, at all of these new platforms and how to take advantage? You know, I think it's, uh, and I love that. I think there's an element of, you know, video, especially live video. It's, it's the reason live video is powerful is because anybody can press the button. The reason most live videos suck is because anybody can press the button. And, you know, it's that, it's that caveat of like, we are not all understanding of all of the, um, the components. And even to me, the power of blab was, I always call it the gateway drug for so many that weren't you know, they, they couldn't do the Periscope, look into your camera, your phone, that weren't doing the Snapchat stories and the Instagram stories. And the issue became like, how do you, how do you get people into it? How do you create a kind of a brand around it? And then I, I think there's this element of keep it simple, stupid, right? This, this app, when it first came out, I remember kind of, the, you know, I get the, uh, the onslaughts of emails like, Brian, try this, try these things out. And simplicity is extremely important. But, you know, there's also another tool that I use called Wirecast. And the reason I like Wirecast because I broadcast every Monday my podcast and I stream it to YouTube, Periscope and Facebook Live all at the exact same time. Right. So it's a little bit more, I'd say, of, a, of an advanced tool, but it also takes me 25 minutes to set up You know, prior to I do all the management here where on this tool, it's as easy as me clicking three buttons on screen. I can move us around. Uh, the state, you know, I can even change and add comments on there. So I think there's an interesting trend, especially with video tools. And, and I know Nick and I have talked about this a lot as well around, you know, the data. You know, it's it's how what, what's your goal with a video, right? And even to your point, when you were talking about like the mortuaries and what these brands, you know, are creating, like nobody's researching mortuaries before they're kind of set forth with something that's, you know, changes their life, right? And so to Nick's point, like, how do you create a piece of content that keeps you entertained and keeps that mortuary, you know, on their minds so that whenever that does happen, the first thing you think of was that brand that created the, the comedy series or something. And I think with all of these tools, what I tell a lot of these brands that, I, that come to me is I say, what, what does success look like for you? What, what, would, what would be a successful live video? What would be a successful event? And then that's backwards into the tools and the platforms. And I think, it, I think a lot of brands, unfortunately, you know, kind of look at either, hey, I want to create a Facebook Live series. And all of a sudden they create it and then they say, wait, you know, like I don't have the audience isn't here that I want to reach. Like I, I want to reach 18 to 28 year olds. And I like, why didn't you think about that to start off with? And, and I'm curious for both of you, you know, two different panels, but both of them very digitally focused. A lot of marketers, in my opinion, are um, making claims and making, let's just say, um, they're writing lots of blogs about the power of, let's say, digital ads, the power of video. But in my opinion, most of them haven't figured out exactly what that means and how that works. And Nick, I'll let you go first on this one. The future of video, you're moderating that panel. Where do you think some of the innovation conversations are going to go? Because you know this this event uh, putting is being put on really to hopefully allow us all to come together, and get a better understanding of where the future of innovation is going. But I'm curious to see what your what are your thoughts on where the panel is going to take the conversation around video that might surprise some people that they they're they're not hearing that on you know your traditional marketing blogs. Yeah, you know, I think that that really it's a it's a cool panel because there's a, such a good makeup of people that have a lot of experience, but also do it do video very differently, but also do both live and non-live video, which I think is a very crucial component. 
Um, so obviously like live in, in general takes a lot of uh, forms, right? Right here, we're having more of a, you know, a, a, we're hanging out. We're all just just talking on on a stream together. It looks great, right? We have a little bit higher production value because we're able to use the the Be Live TV. Um, so we're able to offer a little bit higher quality experience. And then there's obviously like the protesters, the person, the news organizations that are just going live and springing up. And then you have you know high production value that's happening as well. And all of this stuff, by the way, is not just happening like on Facebook and on Periscope and on Instagram. It's happening. With people on their own websites to, to be perfectly honest for much longer than it has been in social video um you know the funeral guy like i just mentioned before you know he was doing this stuff it well before streaming on websites and building which so many other people have and i think that that's something that i've personally discovered um with this uh you know kind of transition into more video and more live video and this mix of like the broadcaster world and people that are very knowledgeable and technical um, you know, the, like the Roker Media folks, for example, that we work really closely with, they're awesome in the broadcast space and have an amazing production background that when they transition into like live video, their knowledge of how to make a great broadcast really takes it up right away. And so there's definitely different levels of people that have been doing this stuff. And so the mix of people that we have um, are doing it differently. So you have somebody like Cheddar that has licensed and done deals with a lot of different companies like Sling. And I think they're on Amazon now and a few other places. Um, and, and Apple TV, of course, they have their own experience. But then they're on the front page of Twitter every day and they stream to Facebook Live. Um, so they're looking at, uh, you know, like a, they call themselves like a post cable network. So they're doing traditional linear thinking in a lot of some of their streamings and then working on, you know, also doing a lot more interactive sides of that. But then you have somebody from Instagram who's obviously going to talk about the creativity that anybody can kind of enable by, you know, opening up live on an Instagram platform, for example. Uh, and then a DraftKings too, somebody that's making a lot of content on live and realizing that they can then use that to kind of drive their video strategy every day. So there's somebody who's like thinking like an ESPN, but then obviously offers a product. So we have a lot of diverse backgrounds for this panel. And I think it's going to be, you know, really interesting to see, you know, the value of putting a lot of your emphasis inside of social versus, you know, kind of building and owning your own experience. And I think a lot of it is going to be underlying data around that. So, you know, obviously people want to figure out who's watching these streams, but really build an audience that they can own around that too. And I think that we've seen a lot of people, um, in the publishing side, quote unquote, publishing media space, it's kind of like merging today, right? Um, they're trying to build a subscription or build an audience somewhere off of social. And then they use the social to drive that conversion. And they give some here, they, they break up the different types of audiences that they publish to, but then they're trying to get them back to another experience. And I think everybody on the panel will, will agree to that in some way, shape or form, but how they approach that goal, I think will be interesting to, to hear their point of view on. No, I agree. And, I, and it'll be interesting also just to hear kind of like the syndication versus the primary location of where audiences are. And I know, Melanie, especially in the, in the digital ad space, that's a that's a big piece. I just uh, I just signed a deal with uh, C-Suite TV to syndicate uh, my content onto into elevators and even into bathrooms from a standpoint of people are going to hear me talk and listen to my podcast while they're in a, you know, in a bathroom, which I was like, Wow, like, and I'm doing that via Facebook Live, right? There's, there's like, if you, if you think about these things, like, some of this stuff is a little crazy, but I, I know I think all three of us are big believers in 
proving the value and linking things to actual you know results, right? This isn't uh, you know selling unicorns and rainbows. But where do you think the conversation is going to go with your panel as far as the digital ad space, as well as kind of having a very diverse group of people um, to have that conversation with uh, that you'll be sitting beside? Yeah, I think that's what I'm most excited about is the folks who are on this panel, you know, are coming from really different perspectives, you know, from the publishing side, from the brand side, uh, and in between. And, you know, for every company, there's a different perspective on on digital ads, right? Whether they're the ones selling it, the ones buying it, some sort of mediator. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what people are exploring, you know, sharing case studies of what's been working and what's not, what we're looking to in the future, um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk in recent years about native as a format, about programmatic. Um, I think, you know, some of the, the the excitement around programmatic seems to have have died down a little bit. So we'll see kind of what's next. Um, I was just seeing that Google has already started to experiment with uh, what, what ads are native in a uh, VR environment. So I think we'll hear that. Um, and there's a lot, been a lot of discussion recently about how do you monetize a, a chat experience, a messenger experience. So, you know, I think what's most important for us, and, and I think this will come through in the panel, is every time a new tool, a new platform, a new context or environment is introduced, you have to figure out what works there. You know, I mean, we don't want to create a world where we're just putting a box, a banner in every experience that we that we, you know, spend time in. So you know, what's native to every environment. It's not just about native advertising in a branded content format, you know, meaning, but figuring out what's truly organic, what fits in that context to create that experience that's additive and not, you know, disruptive or distracting. Um, so I'm really excited to hear our panelists' thoughts on on how they're doing that in all these different contexts and all these different environments. Yeah, and, I, and I, as soon as you said that, I was thinking like, you, know, you have to go virtual reality, right? And right. and Nick, you said you, you saw a pretty interesting experience yesterday. Um, NASA gave me uh, access to something that's under embargo until next week, but they gave me something, uh, access to it yesterday. And it was the first virtual reality experience that I had inside of these, you know, you know, I'd say virtual reality in your house, right? I've done the South by Southwest virtual reality and you're in the, but it was the first one that was in my house in this one headset that like floored me. Like I got, I, I took the headset off and I did that. Like I had to take deep breaths. Like I was like, wow, that experience was so, I mean, it was transformative. It, it really did disrupt how I even like would think about virtual reality. But I think the question you have to ask, I mean, we're all kind of living in that space. Is virtual reality something businesses need to worry about? I mean, I think when you think innovation, unfortunately, because marketers love to talk about things that aren't really measurable right now. I mean, everybody talks augmented reality, virtual reality, even artificial intelligence. But what are, you, what are your guys' thoughts? Nick, I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts on virtual reality? Is it something they should worry about today? Is it something you're excited about? Or you know, what are your thoughts as a whole about virtual reality and, and how cool I look wearing these glasses? Right? <laughs> well, I'm trying not to laugh because I, uh, I definitely binge watched the end of Silicon Valley this weekend. And uh, and so I, I definitely have to reserve comments on VR because I just didn't keep thinking about all the, the plot line to that. So if you haven't caught the season, you should definitely go and do that. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of examples. It's certainly there. It's very impressive. Um, I'm focused on so many other things right now. I think that there's people that have specialized in VR more. Um, obviously, I'm keeping my eye on it. We're, we can measure the 360 360 videos that are, are great with VR headsets inside of Facebook. And so there's obviously great data that, that I'm thinking about um, that we've certainly talked with, you know, platforms like Facebook and YouTube about how can we measure VR video experiences in the future um, and what you're thinking about. So we're obviously thinking about it as a company. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, 
I'm I'm obviously probably gonna gonna go with more of the media side first because I think that it can tell really interesting news and other types of stories before brands go and muck it up. Although I could certainly come up with a bazillion cool ideas that I think that would be creative using you know just what I've seen already. So, and I'm actually gonna go a little bit opposite. I think um, only because. I think there's two really key challenges right now with with VR. One is the fact that it's pretty expensive to produce. You know, like you were saying, it's not like just throwing live from your phone. Uh, there's a lot of special technology effort resources that go into making one of these things in a high quality way so that someone like you can walk away floored from it, right? So it's expensive to produce. The other challenge obviously is distribution. I mean, that's a nice headset. I've got a Google Cardboard somewhere over here, but you know, I'm not, I'm not quite, uh, not quite as uh, equipped as you are. And I think that's true of most people. I think we're probably a good three to five years away from being able to meaningfully distribute VR content to as broad of an audience as you currently can with other formats. So, you know, those two things mean that this is an expensive thing to do. And I think for that reason, brands may be best positioned to kind of lead the way here, you know, it's going to be hard to convince a local newspaper or, or something like that to, to create a VR experience in their community. Um, or to even, you know, if they want to come up with those resources, I think brands have a little bit more budget to experiment with and, uh, and hopefully we'll see some brands, you know, we've already seen some cool stuff coming from GE, from Mini Cooper, uh, from a couple other brands who are producing full length, you know, video experiences, National Geographic Discovery, doing some really cool content stuff. Um, so, you know, I think we'll see those big brands kind of continue to show us like NASA did, you know, the true power of this thing, um, so that we can see you know, more coming from, from the more editorial side in the future. But for the time being, you know, expensive to produce and difficult to distribute uh, doesn't make it a, an easy thing to jump right into. So I think we've got a few years before we have to start thinking about it, you know, in a mass way. I couldn't agree more. I think the barrier to entry on every element is so hard. I mean, even for me, I consider myself as dialed in as a tech geek as you could get. And it took me almost an hour to get the NASA what I, what I was given from NASA that said, hey, this is what we want you to try. It took an hour. And not to mention, I'm someone that has, you know, three different phones to get it to work because it doesn't work on an iPhone. It has to be on an Android. You know, like, and so like there's, to me, there's all of a sudden we get down to this point where you're like, all of these different variables, it's, it does take, you know, I think for innovation to truly catch on, we have to eliminate the, the amount of variables, but we also have to allow that, that gateway in. And on that note, uh, you know, to bring in our, our live audience. And I think everybody, you know, keep bringing your questions and I'll pull some of these questions uh, live on the air. And I think this is what a good kind of segue, because I think the reason live video took off, I mean, I remember watching the very first iPhone, uh, you know, announcement on a Justin TV, like hat camera that was uploaded to like an FTP server that was kind of granular. And we watched like Steve Jobs come on stage and, and it was someone, you know, it was, uh, you know, Justin Kahn and his team. Now where we've gone forward, now we have all of these different options. And Caitlin asked the question, you know, what is your currently, what is your favorite live platform that is out there? And I think if we, if we had to look at live platforms for many, we only, for many people in, I'd say our space, they, they usually look at only Facebook live Periscope and YouTube, and let's throw Instagram live in there now. But I will, I will say, you know, you now lively, you have, you know, and lively, of course, with musically. Yeah. You have Twitch. There's so many that are out there. What are what are your guys' favorites? And I'll and I'll kind of add my thoughts to, at the end as far as the live platforms. Uh, Melanie, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm actually going to defer mostly to you guys on this one. I'll be honest. You know, I'm I'm one of those folks who this is my first time on Facebook Live. I watch, I consume, 
Uh, I this is your very clients. first time on Facebook Live? It's my first time being no on. No way. Right. It really is. You know, I help, I help wow. clients with it. Um, you know, I, I do help with the measurement stuff, but um, I prefer to be more behind the scenes. So I don't have that creator experience of really knowing which platform is, is best to work through, is easiest to set up. Um, so I think you guys probably have a lot more uh, targeted perspective on that. Well, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I like uh, Facebook Live the best. Uh, I think that that's, that's the best. It's the most flexible. There's a lot that you can do with it. Um, there's a good development ecosystem around that now. And and a lot that obviously like you get the most data back, right? You get quite a bit of information. And then, you know, now Facebook has made it really easy to tie those into other actions. Um, so personally, like for all of this, the data that you get, Facebook Live, in my opinion, is the best for a brand or a marketer. But there's different things for different reasons, right? So Instagram Live, I think, is certainly really awesome. It's definitely something that you can look at as an awesome uh, compliment to Instagram stories, which obviously we know are, are killing it. So that I definitely believe is a value. Um, so I'd say, yeah, like I would say between Facebook, Facebook live and Instagram live, I think Instagram live, the way that they're plugging it into your story and that the combination of that and the swipe and the swipe up links that you can do. I mean, you know, we've seen ridiculous amounts of, of traffic on campaigns we run with like swipe ups just in, you know, organic Instagram stories. So I think that those two are probably the most exciting, but I mean, I think that Twitch is probably the most unsung live platform that's that, you know, they really just started breaking out of the gaming side. So now you don't just have to stream games. You can stream any type of content. Um, and so I think that that Twitch and the way that they have a relationship with Amazon um, and how, you know, Prime is, is certainly, you know, shaping up to be a pretty powerful, you know, distribution channel in its own right and Prime Video. And now you can have Twitch advantages from being a Prime member. So I do think that that Twitch will become very powerful in the Amazon uh, world as you see them become like a really strong player in this type of consumption game. You know, and I, and I love, you know, kind of where the conversation went too, because, you know, I, I mean, in Zuck, we trust, right? There is an element of, um, you know, Facebook, you know, being the the big gorilla, but I think even, you know, listening that I watched the entire Facebook live of the Facebook group community summit that they had for the first time and where, you know, the focus on community. And I think Twitch, was the very first live streaming community-based platform that just got it. I remember I was at the TV of Tomorrow event two years ago, and the Twitch CMO just said, like, we don't care about anything as much as we care about community conversation. Commu you know, they were taking things off of the roadmap because of the, of the voice of their community, and, and that's a rare, you know, find. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that I recommend for a lot of people that are out there that ask this question is, Think about the user experience that's consuming it, right? The, you know, and I'm a big Periscope guy. I love Periscope um, because for me, Periscope allows you to take advantage of Twitter, which is that fire hose of people. Like, you know, if someone's watching you on Facebook, more than likely they're a friend of a friend or they've already liked your page, right? Like, so you're you're almost kind of uh, I'd say shrinking the amount of options of people that can find new content on Facebook Live. Periscope kind of gives you that ability to leverage a hashtag on Twitter and reach an audience that maybe doesn't know or like you. But I will say Instagram, in my opinion, is my favorite app personally. I, it, it all of a sudden has become my favorite place to consume stories, my favorite place to engage with people. I mean, my DMs on Instagram now are a lot of fun. It's I, I didn't even know there was a DM on Instagram like six months ago, and now they've integrated that workflow. And so I think it's I think when we think about live, I think you have to factor in a couple of different things. But I really don't see betting against 
um, Zuckerberg and where, where kind of Facebook's going, you know, kind of on, on that side of the house. And another question came in, or I guess a comment from Lauren Teague, uh, a good friend of ours. And uh, Lauren does some really innovative things um, for not only convince for, but a lot, of, a lot of her clients. And she talked about how they're doing some things with um, producing 360 video and where that's kind of going. I mean, what are your thoughts on 360 video? For me, the very first Facebook 360 video, which was I think National Geographic, was about as epic fail as you could get in the in the 360 space because they it was it was hard to understand like what they were what was the value of 360 right because 360 is giving you a unique vantage point but if you don't have different people situated everywhere you know making that happen it's hard to see that and I loved that Facebook kind of came out and said hey give us another try and Facebook you know blew it out of the water the second time they launched that but you know as Lauren kind of said you know producing that dealing with things like content licenses, there's a lot of things that are very interesting that are going to lead us down a path. And, um, you know, any of you guys have, you know, experience or thoughts on 360 as a whole? I mean, 360 to me is kind of a fun halfway. We were talking about VR and AR and, and, you know, how you can kind of experiment with that before there's really a market to distribute. And I think 360 is a great, you know, sort of low barrier to entry way to get in there, right? I mean, the, the, Ability to create it is pretty simple compared to a full, you know, VR experience. Um, I mean, it's funny for me because I'm remembering, you know, two years ago or so when 360 was just kind of being introduced in a way that was really, you know, reachable for most people. Um, and I was at Time Inc. at the time. And our way of experimenting was to uh, get a tripod and put four GoPros, all the, or maybe five, oh, yeah. all the way around it. The Robert Scoble hack. <laughs> and then sort of stitching it together afterward. And, you know, it's cool to see how easy this stuff has, has become now. So, I mean, I think it's exciting. I think it's cool. Um, you know, I do think it's a little bit of a, like, wet your whistle, get people more excited for VR. I think, you know, hopefully it's kind of a – it's a little bit of an appetizer, you know, once people see the potential, you know, they might be more excited, more invested in, in the potential of, of VR down the line. No, I love yeah. it. I, I love it. And I, I'm going to, so we're going to, we have a couple more minutes. If anyone has any other questions, feel free to drop them in. I'm going to let you guys think about this question while I kind of uh, give people a kind of a preview of the speakers. And to me, not only the speakers, but the brands that they work for, right. You know, if we're looking at innovation, you know, traditionally, like you said, Nick, out of the gate, you, you immediately think of like, the Samsungs, the Facebooks, the Apple. But when there's the brands that are really doing some cool things, a lot of those brands, uh, the team has really pulled together for this event. So I want you two to think about which which either speaker or topic you're looking forward to the most um, in New York there, July 18th and 19th. But I'm gonna give everybody kind of an example. We have the global CTO of Coca-Cola, Cindy Gallup, of course, is gonna be there giving uh, her presentation. Last time I saw her, I remember I left the converse, uh, the left the event, and I was ready to get an implant in my arm, and that that was allow me to learn different languages. So like, um, she's very very exciting to have her. Um, we have Laura SVT of marketing, SVP of marketing from BuzzFeed. We have the co-founder of Casper. I'm a big fan of Casper. I got to work with them um, down at South by Southwest. Uh, we have the chief content officer at Refinery Twenty Nine, uh, Twenty Nine, the head of enterprise business at Indiegogo. SVP of brand, uh, of brand at New York Times. I know New York Times was one of the first uh, companies that I ever looked at that was doing some really innovation thing, innovating things um, in video early on that kind of blew my mind uh, to begin with. We have the global Instagram lead with the Facebook creative shop, 
co-founder of Away, VP of marketing of Patron. I mean, who doesn't like Patron? And, and, and uh, you know, we talk about tequila. It's interesting to hear, like, to me, you have Charity Water is going to be there as well. We have uh, the CEO of uh, X.AI, you know, Breather, DraftKings. I mean, talking about a, a plethora of, of uh, environments, you know, the lead anchor over at Cheddar, I think is on your panel, Nick. We have uh, the director of ventures and innovations at uh, Discovery Communication, Adam Zuckerman, who's a, a good friend of mine, who um, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. We also have Goldman Sachs and Muse and Daily Beast, Microsoft, Capital One. I mean, talking about, I mean, this is this is where innovation is exciting for me because when innovation truly takes hold, it's it's outside of where you would traditionally look at innovation or look for technology. So, uh, Melanie, I'll give you the kind of the first run. What are you What are you looking most yeah. excited about for this event? So, I'm with uh, Emily's comment came through. She can't choose. She's excited for all of them. That's that's me. Um, I'm also excited to see Cindy. I've seen her speak before. It's amazing. Um, but if I had to pick, I mean, I'm a little biased. I've got my New York Times shirt on here. Uh, I'm a former New York Times employee, helped build T-Brand Studio there. I, I think what the Times has done in the last couple of years since the innovation report came out, really took a very hard look at themselves and have taken incredible steps to really put themselves back at the, the forefront of, of the media industry. Um, you know, there was a while there where HuffPost was beating them at their own game. They kind of examined that and they've They've really taken some some huge steps, so I'm excited to see what they're cooking up from a brand perspective, uh, and see how they're future proofing uh, the journalism industry. Love it. All right, Nick, yeah, it's a hard bar to set. She set me up pretty good. I'm excited about New York Times now. What are you most excited about? Oh man, I mean, uh, I'm definitely excited about some of the people, like I said, on my panel. So we do have uh, Amy, who's the chief content officer at Refinery29. They obviously have really come on strong in the past few years and really built an amazing brand. Um, for all, everybody. I think that they write really, really awesome stuff. And now they're producing some really awesome videos and live content too, and different verticals. So I'm excited to hear from her. Um, I met Cindy, uh, actually with Jason, Keith, and the rest of the Social Fresh team many years ago at the Mashable conference. And she was awesome then and obviously has, you know, really been a force in the industry. So very excited to, to see her. Um, yeah, and I sleep on a Casper mattress too. So I'm excited to meet that guy and hear, you know, what, what really drove him to, to, to doing more with his business and how they've been able to innovate. So there's like so many different people. Um, like I said, I just think that there's, this is probably one of the best, uh, lineups of people that I've been a part of. And I've actually been a part of social fresh for, oh man, many, many years now. So, uh, yeah, it's really exciting to see the group of people that have come together. Yeah, it's pretty cool, especially from uh, Nick. That's where you and I met for the very first time at a, a Social Fresh event. Um, I think it was 2013, maybe 2014. Um, and it was the first event for me that was one track that was you know, in the social media space. And I still, when I talk about great events, I still talk about that event. And for me, it has to do with not only with the lineup but the way the kind of the content plays on each other. I remember Beverly Jackson at the time was at Yahoo and now she's at MGM. She got up there. We had Jason, uh, Jason Miller from LinkedIn. We had uh, the Spotify team was up there. Lauren Teague, who commented earlier, she was at the PGA at the time whenever uh, she gave her presentation. Uh, we had Sarah Evans. And I think you're right. This isn't a lineup, you know, and not to mention the general session that happens on Wednesday, but on Tuesday, for those that are listening, you know that the the pre-conference workshops, which if you use the link that we put here in the uh, notes, and I'll share that back out again, um, you get access for free to the workshops on on the Tuesday as well as general session, two hundred dollars off the ticket. The first, you know, the workshops are future of personal branding, 
future of social and digital ads, which of course, Melanie, you'll be on, the mixed reality, the business of augmented and virtual reality, and then building your first chatbot, which we didn't even really talk about chatbots or artificial intelligence, um, but I think that's a space that probably more so than VR and AR is gonna impact everybody beforehand, right? Because I really do think um, the chatbot and AI conversation is exciting. So for me, I'm gonna say without question that the, uh, the AI piece of all of these uh, aspects is what I'm looking for the most because this idea of computers helping us be smarter and then us helping computers be smarter is where I see things going. And um, this is a lot of fun. I love that you guys, uh, you guys were able to jump on here and join. I think uh, we, I love being a part of kind of like that social fresh family that uh, truly is a community of people putting stuff together. Big shout out to all of the, uh, of the people that are on the, you know, they put a, together one hell of a, a host committee, but the advisory board is uh, Jeremy Goldman, uh, Nicole and Jason, and then of course, Amelia Tran as well. And a big shout out to what they've done to put together this is the first event of this kind, but they're putting it on the backbone of, you know, in my opinion, one of the most successful uh, event brands that are out there. So I'll leave each of you with kind of a, a last word and then we'll wrap it up and let people get out of here. So ladies first, uh, anything anything you want to say, any pitch you want to say of uh, why you're excited about come, to come to your panel? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see all of you guys, to be a part of the panel. Um, I hope that I get to meet many of you who are watching when we're there. Uh, find me on social, mdiesel, M-D-E-Z-I-E-L. I'm on Twitter. Uh, excited to meet you all and, and hear what you're most excited about. I think, you know, like like Brian was saying, this event is, it's really impressive. I mean, you know, as speakers, I think we stop being, uh, you know, excited about lineups at some point because the speakers become our friends. This is one event where I'm still excited about the lineup and I feel honored to be a part of it. So uh, I think we're all in for a great event and excited to meet some of you there. Thanks for joining us. Love it. Nick, Mr. Cicero. Yes, I'm going to say the uh, the same thing. Obviously, you know, go check out Delmondo, Delmondo.com and Delmondo on Twitter. Um, and then I would just love to see all of you guys. So come prepared with some really awesome questions. Uh, the people that are going to be here, that are going to be speaking, that are going to be on panels, we're going to have time for for questions and things like that. So these are really industry leaders. So you can ask really great questions. So be prepared. Don't don't try to just come up with them on the spot. So come with some really great questions, and I'm sure you get some great answers. No, I love that. That's good advice. And I always you know recommend you know follow the hashtag. I put the hashtag down here below. You know if you want to you want to research and understand what people. Um, are coming to the event. You know, I, I believe there's a there's an element of being very strategic. If you're going to spend your money to come to an event and you're thinking about innovation, also be strategic to understand who's coming, what they're talking about, what the sessions are about. Like Nick said, um, bring your questions. You know, I I believe you know when I look at the future of innovation and one of the chapters in my book, which will be my first book coming up, I, the future of innovation I say is is going to be driven by collaboration and it's going to be a collaboration of minds, collaboration of data with uh, other data collaboration with humans and machines. And I think this this event across the board embodies that. So I'm excited to be there. I'm not on a panel or speaking and I'm attending. That's how excited I am uh, about being a part of this uh, event. So I will see everybody. I will see you too uh, in New York. We will see everybody.